I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, guys. So just a note about the upcoming episode, my interview with Senator Melissa Melendez. Skype has driven me crazy for 24 hours. So I had to do a million things to fix this interview up and get the audio out. You're going to hear two little hiccups and the sound might not be as good as it usually is. But uh, I think that we have it pretty much back together. There might be a few seconds here and there, but bear with me and I hope you enjoy it. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. I'm sitting down today with California State Senator Melissa Melendez. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you, Chris. Thank you very much for having me. And I like the fact that you say let's be reasonable. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to go for, because I think that the conversation is totally out of line on both sides. And, you know, it's become a priority for me to press the right more than the left just because the common conversation out there from the media is always focused on the left's narrative. So I'm trying to provide a counter narrative for that because I hope to turn California red and you're one of the people doing that. So I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, it would be nice if um, the media could focus on the truth and the facts and stop spinning everything. I don't see that happening anytime soon, especially given you know, just what we're seeing with Trump coming down with COVID and the sure. ugliness that I'm seeing. It's just, it's I truly believe. unbelievable. Yeah. yeah I, I, I think it I, matches I the, I think it matches the ugliness of how people were reacting initially and trying to shame people into silence about their COVID skepticism, shaming people into silence about their hesitation to accept mask mandates. 
I just found the whole thing a mess. And I think that people have really been mistreating each other the entire time. Yeah, I mean, this whole mask shaming thing is getting kind of idiotic. Um, you know, COVID is serious and no doubt. you do have to be careful. We're not saying that, but they're acting. I, I mean, if you look at what did they say? They they anticipated in the very beginning that there would be two million deaths in the United mm-hmm. States from COVID. We've had 200,000. So, right. you know, there's a little bit of hyperbole on one side of this with relation to COVID. But so, you know, nobody's saying don't take it seriously, but for crying out loud, they act like you're committing a cardinal sin if, you know, you're not wearing a mask or, or not going into a crowd. They think that everybody who disagrees with their very, you know, kind of myopic view is a conspiracy theorist. And that to me seems crazy, but no place is crazier than California right now. So let's get into some of that stuff. Uh, You are in the state Senate before that. You were in the assembly before that. You are a Navy veteran. Yes. Yep. That's right. Married to another Navy veteran. Got a nice family, got just a real American. Yes. Yeah. We Does that all? Was I correct about all that? You did. You got it right. Perfect. I perfect. Had, perfect. My husband and I met in the Navy. Um, he's Amazing. still in the Navy Reserves. Our oldest son is in the Navy. He's a diver. Our second son is in San Diego right now, signing his paperwork to join. So you know, basically, um, we don't allow any Army people in the family. <laughs> <laughs> no Army allowed. <laughs> I'm not sure about those rivalries. I don't. I don't know too much about that. Um, so, can you tell me a bit about how uh, California politics works? Because I don't think people understand. You know, one of my kind of hobby horses is that I don't like the uh, the proposition system, the ballot measures. I don't. I don't like direct democracy in general. And I think it often gives us excuses to allow the legislature not to legislate. And it makes it too easy for advertising and money to win on really important issues. Well, that's exactly right. And the other problem we have in California is the state attorney general is the one who writes the ballot title and summary for all these propositions. And he is a raging liberal Democrat. And mm-hmm. so he's writing the, the definition of these propositions in a way that helps his cause. Um, we saw that just with the proposition for Uber and Lyft. You mm-hmm. know, he, he's, he's currently suing them. So he has no business writing a ballot title and proposition um, for them. But that's what he did. So how do you think he's going to write it? He's going to skew it so that it works in his favor. And just to be clear for listeners, you're talking about the descriptions that come in your voter information packet. Like right. the actual descriptions that you will see on the ballot and in your voter information, those are written by a partisan. That's right. Yeah. This, the, everybody should have, if you haven't gotten it already, you'll be getting it soon. But that sample ballot with all the propositions in there, right. it tells you the for, the against, who's for and against and all that stuff. But the description in there, that's written by Attorney General Becerra. And I can guarantee you that he is very partisan in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how he's writing these summaries. That's how he's writing the definitions. Can we talk about universal balloting for a second? Because this really worries me. I have been going pretty deep into this thing. An introduction to fraud, it seems to me. I don't believe that the Democrats are doing this to increase ballot access. I believe that this is voter disenfranchisement. It's making it impossible for people to trust their votes. It's making it impossible for people to trust the system. 
What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, the media is going to tell you there's just there are no instances of voter fraud. If there are, they're very minor, they're minuscule in number. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just the ones they know about. But I get the emails and the phone calls from people too, my constituents who say, you know, I've got a ballot here for somebody who lived in my family or who, you know, was part of my family, but they died 20 years ago. They died 10 years ago or, and they keep sending them out. So the government, Newsom is going to tell everyone, no, no, we're only sending ballots to active, registered, legal voters. Can I ask that's yeah, go ahead. Can I ask you about that? Because on the voter packet, it says every registered voter will receive a ballot. And so I just want to clarify, maybe you know the answer, because there's a there's a big difference between registered voters and active voters. We have 25 million registered voters and 20 million active voters. Is that correct, roughly? Roughly, yeah. I don't know the exact numbers, but yeah, that's about it. So there's... So then there's a few million ballots going out, at least if at least if that wording is technically and legally correct, that every registered voter will receive a ballot. That means we have five million at least inactive voters, if my you know, if my numbers are correct, that will be receiving ballots. So we have five million ballots in California going out that we don't expect to be used by the voter on that it's addressed to. Right. That, that's right. The potential for that does exist, not to mention the number of people who had their voter registration changed. I can't tell you right. how many people said I was you know, either registered Democrat or Republican forever. And suddenly uh-huh. I'm no party preference and I didn't change my voter registration. So yeah. they we and still have been put on the we've been put on the permanent mail in list as well. That happened to me. I never yeah. asked for that. Exactly. I don't want that. And exactly. so here's. Let me ask you this question, because they're setting up all these little drop boxes all over Los Angeles, at least I assume it's throughout the state. Ballots have to be postmarked by the election date, but I don't see what the mechanism is for postmarking ballots that are put into these drop boxes. Are those then going through the post office? Because that doesn't seem like a necessary extra step if, you know, ballot commissioners, people from, you know, the, I don't know Secretary how to describe State's it. I don't know. Office, Perfect. Maybe. Yes, exactly. I, I imagine that they're coming around and collecting these from the boxes or is it the post office? Do I just have this completely wrong? Um, the post office is only going to be picking up the mail that goes into their receptacles. Right. So okay. Yeah. That's what I, I thought. Yeah. So it's not, unless it's going through the postal service. No, they're not picking up. So you could also though, you know, the registrar of voters office has a Dropbox um, outside their offices. Uh-huh. So when we asked about this, we said, well, so if somebody comes up with five boxes of ballots and just uh-huh. drops them at the front door, you know, what do you do about that? Because you are supposed to sign for those ballots, right? If right. you're going to turn in someone else's ballot, there has to be a signature on there. So what if someone just drops off boxes of them and walks away? What do you do? And her response was, well, we have to count them. And we said, yeah, well, of course. Yeah, right. Do you try to stop the person who's, so, who's committing a crime? And she just kind of, you know, shrugged her shoulders and said, well, we just don't have the capacity to do that. That's, and that's, so that's Riverside County. That's, you know, you can imagine. I'm certain that that's happening across the state. For sure. Yeah, that's terrible. But just I, I just want to make sure that uh, I, I really want to nail this down. Like are the, the ones that are dropped into the drop boxes if they are not postmarked by the post office 
then those can conceivably be received at any time after the election and still be counted, even if they're not following the process at all. And see, that's not disenfranchisement. If people aren't abiding the rules, that's not something that means they don't have access. That means that they didn't vote in time. Like if I want to go to the polls on November 4th, they're going to say, sorry, too late. And they'll be right. I don't know why I would get to turn in a ballot on November 4th that wasn't filled out in time. Like this, this whole situation just worries me to no end. And I received some messages from people in Merced, and this is about maybe a month ago or six weeks ago, where they said that the, that every voter would be doing mail-in voting. And, you know, on the state laws, they have, you need one polling place for every 10,000 people. And what my understanding is, is that rather than having polling places where they'll have voters individual ballots that you can sign for and then vote normally, they're going to have polling assistance centers. And I want to know what that is, because if what that is, is a place that people can go ask questions about their ballot or fill out a provisional ballot, I think that that should worry every Californian. Yeah, that's funny you mentioned that because I was looking on our own registrar's website to try to figure that out myself because voting assistance center sounds like just a place where you would go and ask questions right. about how to fill out your yeah. ballot. It doesn't say a polling place. Our registrar's, uh, the graphic they posted, it it made it sound as though you could go there and cast a ballot there. In other words, you would get your ballot there and be able to mm-hmm. do it like you normally would. But I have to call them, of course, you know, you can't get anybody on the phone just to verify that, because that's what a lot of people are looking for. That's how yeah. I vote every time. I don't vote by mail. I go into the polls. Yeah, and me, I too. Vote. me too. I, I just enjoy that. You know, I'm old fashioned. Me too. It's a great a lot, experience. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people do that and they want to make sure that that option is available because that's what they said, or at least that's what Newsom said when he passed wow. this executive order saying, you know, it was going to be all vote by mail, that you could still have the option of voting in person. Yeah. So I want to make sure that that's the that's actually true yeah my concern is that he's trying to get away with that with the technicality that you could go to a voting assistance center and fill out a provisional ballot that we have no idea will ever counted or counted on time that's really really worrisome to me and about the same time you know lebron's organization uh more than a vote got it so that dodger stadium would be open for voting and this is still while gavin was trying to uh create restrictions due to covid And if it's not safe to vote in person in Merced, California, I don't understand why it's safe for a mass of people to vote at Dodger Stadium or Staples Center or any of these other arenas that they plan on using. And, you know, more than a vote is actually underneath Rock the Vote, which is a essentially just a Democratic get out the vote campaign, you know, and that that really, really has me worried. Well, the reason that you can go to a massive sports arena to vote is the same reason why you can go to a funeral or memorial service only for certain people, though, only if right. they're of a certain right. statue in our culture. Yes. I mean, that's it's the double standard that is um, and, you know, imposed upon all of us. And, you know, they they will never admit to it and they're not even going to acknowledge it. But that's what's going on, because when California passed a law to allow ballot harvesting, I mean, that was the beginning of our demise right there. You, that you is, cannot, yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and we debated that bill and said, you know, this is fraught with trouble down the road because you can, I, I could literally bring in U-Haul truckloads full of yeah. ballots and no one would question me. And we see that happening in other states right now. Tell me this, 
is it reasonable for Californians to believe that California is one of the most corrupt places in the world? <sighs> well, I mean, I, you don't have to answer that. I, that's my opinion. And I'm just yeah. I'm looking well, at what's going on with covid and now all the stuff that's just getting passed through by executive fiat. And I am worried. I am worried. And I'm also concerned. And I'm also wondering why I should keep living in this state. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think corrupt is the wrong word to use. Um, mm-hmm. It's just it's so pervasive throughout so many different elements of our government. I mean, if you look to see in the news, um, what, I think it was the Sacramento Bee of all papers actually did a, an editorial opinion piece about the fact that Gavin Newsom and the secretary of state, Alex Padilla, approved a contract for this company that is closely tied with the Biden campaign. They, they they did a thirty five million dollar no bid contract. So in other words, no one else got the you know the opportunity to put a put in their bid for it. And this company is supposed to be doing voter education in California. Thirty five million dollars of taxpayer money goes to right. So I mean, when just that example alone should tell people because you know what today it's Republicans who are on the short end of the stick, but at some point it could be Democrats. So I hope it's like look ahead, people. You know that that. The rules apply to everybody, and you better believe it. Someday they're going to apply to you, and you're not going to like it. I mean, that's what's happening in Congress right now. Yeah, uh, I follow, you know, I follow you, and I follow Kevin Kiley, and I just see a constant stream of what looks to me like an incredible manipulation of the system, a total dereliction of duty, uh, no faith whatsoever to the people that they're supposed to be serving. Well, and there's, but there's nobody to keep them in check. That's the problem. I mean, every office is held by a Democrat. So who's going to tell them to stop? They're all in it together. And that's, that's the frustration that I have as a Republican in this state in the legislature. I'm like a, you know, an endangered species up there. And no matter how much you holler and scream about it, you, nobody cares. You know, you have to take them to court in order to get something done. And then it's a 50-50 shot there if, you, if you know, you're able to win in court. But that's literally our only recourse because Democrats, they just, you know, they go, eh, it's just the Republicans complaining again. I mean, I was in a public safety committee hearing. I used to be vice chair of it before they kicked me off. And <laughs> the, ch- the chairman, we had a bill before us. I don't even remember what it was about, but I'm sitting there saying, this is clearly unconstitutional. Like, you cannot pass this bill. And so I brought that up. And the chairman, I've got him on video. In fact, I posted it to my Facebook page and there was over a million views. I think Good people could believe it. But his words were, you know, people are saying this is unconstitutional, but uh, sometimes, you know, we pass things that are unconstitutional because we're California. Those are his words. Wow. I mean, he just, it was that blatant. It's like, yeah, we do it because, you know, just the same thing they did with, they had a bill to require pregnancy resource senator, centers to post on their wall a poster about where you could go get an abortion. Good and God. so we said, hold, hold on a second there. Are you going to require abortion clinics to have the same type of poster to show them where they can go to keep their baby? No, no, no. We're not going <laughs> to do that. And we said, we said, right? We said, that's unconstitutional. And they said, yeah, we're doing it anyway. And they passed it and the governor signed it. And guess what? We took them to court and they lost. But Good. they lost at the taxpayers' expense because guess who paid for that lawsuit? The taxpayers did. So it's not their money, right? They're very good at spending everyone else's money. If it was their paycheck on the line, I think they would think twice. Am I correct to uh, 
my understanding is that the COVID relief package for America has been held up by a few different things. One is the demands of the teachers union. Another was that they were pushing for uh, nationwide universal mail-in balloting. And then the other one is that California and New York are seeking massive bailouts because of their own financial mismanagement and then their mismanagement of COVID as it relates to the economy. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly where the money is being held up, but I do know there is concern with the demands that are being made. And California right. Teachers Union has absolutely, you know, it's like a hostage situation. I mean, they yes. put out their list of demands, one mm -hmm. of them being, you know, Medicare for all or health care for all, defund the police. I mean, you yep. name it, all the progressive talking points. And so that's a ban on charter schools. Right, right. They hate charter schools. Yep. So, I mean, you just have to wonder at, at what point will Democrats, lifelong Democrats, look at this and say, you know, what they're doing really isn't helping my family. Because I've or said anyone's. this before. Right. I mean, I've said this before in the Senate floor to Democrats. You guys, you keep backing the teachers union and you keep killing charter schools, which means you are keeping poor kids, underserved kids in crappy schools. How is that for the children. You guys always want to claim that you're for the little guy, you're for the common right. man, the, the worker, but you're not because you're, you're really relegating their children to a life just like their parents, where they're never going to get out of that cycle of poverty. I, I think I read, and you can tell me if I'm off base here, but I think I read a few months ago that in the end of the school year, they had already estimated that 40% of urban minorities had dropped out of school completely and would never return. Wow. Now, I did not hear that statistic. Okay. I'll, ha I'll I, have to go back and find that. But yeah, that it's, something, well it's something astronomical. And it's well, so sad because I'm watching a teacher's union hold all these kids' futures hostage so that they can exact demands from, from Black Lives Matter and, you know, crazy progressive demands. Well, did you know that 75% of black elementary level boys in this state don't read at grade level? 75% Unbelievable. can't read at grade level. So we tell me, Teachers Union, how you're helping these kids. They're not. They're keeping them in a school that's failing them, and they'll keep them there forever. You know why? Because they keep getting paid. It's yeah. not about the children. The, the, trust me. It's, and it's, I'm not talking about the teachers because the sure, teachers are kind of yeah, pawns yeah, yeah. in this whole game. It's the bureaucracy of the teachers union. I've had them follow me around. I had a bill to allow schools to accept um, AEDs, you know, a defibrillator, right? Just mm -hmm. to allow them to accept it as a donation so that they could have it at the school. That's pretty harmless, right? The sure. teachers union followed me around from committee to committee opposing that bill because they said, that's not part of a teacher's responsibility to know how to use a defibrillator. And, oh, if you're going to make them do that, then they should get paid more to do so. Of they course. should get some sort of, you know, extra pay. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you Let's, telling your teachers you want to just just watch the student die? I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Let's switch gears because I don't want to uh, I don't want to run out of time before I get to a couple of things. Um, AB5, that seems to be the biggest California contentious bill that's, you know, that the voters will decide on in a couple of months. And then I guess it's what, AB 22 to repeal that? Is that correct? Yeah, they're not, um, they won't even hear the bill to repeal it. Kevin Kelly and I okay. um, coordinated on that. They wouldn't even give that bill a hearing. They don't want to have anything to do with it. They're not interested. So AB 5 is the one that 
passed, the one that took away thousands of people's jobs, the one that the author of the bill says those weren't real jobs anyway, um, and the one that Gavin Newsom has put $20 million into the budget in order to enforce. So they are doubling down on this. Um, they could care less. They want everybody unionized because that's where this is coming from. And I hope people mm -hmm. understand that. This is not about treating employees fairly. This is about unionizing employees. And this, when, you know, when these are not real jobs, they're talking about people who drive for Lyft and Uber so that they can either do that as their only job or do it to supplement their income in their free time. But it's not just that. It's other independent contractors as well, right? Oh, my gosh. It, it, I mean, it's so broad. And the only reason that this bill really got the attention that it did later was because it affected the media. And once the media got wind oh, of wow. that, they, yeah, they said, oh, wait, hold on a second here. So the media just kept writing about it and writing about it because it affected their employees, you know, their reporters, where they said um, they could only someone who's like a freelance writer could only turn in 35 pieces a month. And it was a random <laughs> arbitrary number, right? Just to, you know, we're like, where'd you get 35? Eh, we just, it seemed right. So once it, wow. the yeah, once it affected the media, then they, they started, you know, raising holy hell. And then we started to get some changes to the bill relating to the media, of course, but everyone else left out in the cold. I mean, it's, uh, it's to say they're not real jobs. That's, that's crazy. Incredible. Insight. Every job is a real job. And by the way, these are the same people who are telling us that we need to constantly call like sex work real work. And right. I'm fine to do that. But then you can't turn around and say an independent contractor doesn't have a real job. Well, again, the goal is to unionize everyone on this planet. I mean, the author has been very clear about that. She even said on a San Diego news uh, TV interview, she said, well, I would be I think it would be great if everybody was part of a union. So, you know, it, they're not bashful about saying what they want. The problem is, though, we have people who had jobs in California who now can't work in California. They would literally have to move across the border into Arizona, and then they could keep the job that they had while they were huh. living in California. I mean, it's it's insane. Oh but they don't God. care. They don't care, you know? 145? Yeah. That yeah, okay. That's, that's, Can you that describe bill. that for everybody? Yeah. Because I think people are having a hard time understanding that bill because it seems on its face so shocking. Like, why would anyone do this? And they're just the only excuse is that it is is for gender equality or like right. uh, like sexual equality. That sounds not relevant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here's what the bill does. Um, well, let me explain current law. So currently, um, if it is a heterosexual type of encounter um, between an adult and a minor, then the judge has discretion on determining whether that is a misdemeanor or a felony and whether or not that person needs to go on the sex offender registry list. If it is a homosexual encounter, current law says that it is a felony, period, just outright. The author is saying, well, that's not fair. You're not treating both classes the same. So what he did, instead of making a bad law better by saying, no, it's a felony for anyone yeah, who yeah, has yeah. sex with a minor, he said, no, no, it's not fair that um, a man can have sex with a female child. We want gays to be able to have sex with children, too. That's essentially what he's saying. So, you know, he could have made it better if he's really about protecting kids, but that's not what the bill is about. The bill is about 
broadening the law so that people can escape the law because there is no situation in which someone can tell me that it is okay for a 24 year old man to have sex with a 14 year old child under no circumstances yeah, that is boy or girl allowed. doesn't matter that's right. yeah that's right and that's how did they come allowed. to the age of 14 i mean that just seems sick well the law so right now if it's under the age of 14 that falls under a different penal code and that's for any okay. child, you know, regardless of the encounter. So that's kind Got of where so that's just stands a on that. Legal right. technicality. It's right. not an arbitrary number. Got you. But but he could have changed that because he said, you know, we need to stop criminalizing teenage sex as though we're just talking about the two high school seniors who won 17, yeah. one happens to be 18. If that were really his goal, then he would have said, you know, there as long as the age difference isn't more than a year. But that's not what he did. Yeah. He made it 10 year age gap. 10 years is insane. 10 years. That's right. So he's he's trying and, you know, he's trying to run and hide from it now and say, oh, it's oh, it's a right wing thing. And it's it's just ridiculous. Um, and he got lit up for it by by gays, too, by the way, because mm. plenty in the gay community are saying, hold on a second. That's we're not OK with that. That's and, and stop putting us in the category of people that think that's OK. Um, so it's kind of broad based as far as discussed with the bill. But of course, you know, the governor signed it. Because we're progressive California. Can I um, ask you, can we reroute back to COVID for a second? Because, you know, one of my things and why I've come to many of the political conclusions I've had over the last six months is because I spent my time looking at COVID data, like real data and following real data scientists the entire time, rather than reading what the LA Times, the New York Times or CNN was telling me. <laughs> and I have come to quite different conclusions than than Sir Gavin has. And so I, I want to know a couple of things because none of this stuff seems to me that it's based on the science and the data. I mean, he had malls closed until Westfield sued him and then malls were open a day later. That is not a scientific decision, no matter how you, you know, how you divide it up. And we had a public health director for California, if I'm not mistaken, who was not confirmed by the legislature and then resigned without reason and no one knows it. Is that true? Right. Yeah. The, okay. yeah. the, the director did resign and we weren't given a reason. Um, and the governor tried to hint that perhaps, you know, he pushed her out, but nobody knows. But that was right after that big glitch. Remember with, right. with how they were counting the data and then suddenly the director resigns. Ah, yes, a glitch. It. Right. And nobody, you know, the media doesn't press them on it, doesn't doesn't dig deeper. It's just it just goes away. You know, it just goes so, away. So I had uh, part of this revelation was caused in my brain by watching one of Gavin's press conferences where he said that they had actually found a death in Santa Clara County from uh, February 6th. Before that, we believe the original covid death in the United States was February 29th, if I'm not mistaken, if I have my dates right, which means that that person had been infected anywhere from a few weeks to 40 days prior to that, which means that COVID was definitely here in at least early January, if not late December, and that person hadn't traveled or been around anyone who had traveled, which means that that person got COVID from community spread. At that point on April 22nd in Gavin's news conference, he said that they were going to have California coroners review all the flu-like illness deaths from the of 2019. 
And it's my understanding that that report has never come out and that it is currently tied up in bureaucracy. And I'd be really interested to know the answer to that because every single epidemiological model should be changed if the start date is changed. And that should affect everything about how we understand the disease. But this has been totally ignored and Gavin has not addressed it again. Well, and he won't because I see this all too often in Sacramento where we ask for reports, we ask for studies, and a date certain is given for when that report needs to be turned in. And it just doesn't mm-hmm. show up. And nobody, you know, and nobody can, can hold them that. accountable because no, we don't right. have any Republicans in office and we have a one party state right. rule, essentially. Right. And God, that's it, frustrating. Well, and you know, when you talk about the data, I mean, You've got plenty of cases, um, and I'm getting this from healthcare workers who are sure. saying that a death is reported from COVID, but it wasn't actually from COVID. It was from sure, something else. They happened to contract COVID, but that's not the cause of death, but that's how they are reporting it. And then yeah. you have, you know, the people. So if you, I mean, I don't know, the whole system's kind of messed up because I got tested for COVID twice. I got uh-huh. tested twice because I thought, well, if I get a false positive the first time, I want to make sure I have a backup, right? So I got tested twice, obviously didn't have it, but that positive test counts like as yes. though it were two different people, right? Yep. The same thing goes for if you're And if you had positive if you had tested positive twice, that would have been two cases. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Correct. So the the data is certainly skewed. Um, but you know, Riverside County, I think we've had around eleven hundred deaths out of you know, a, a huge population in Riverside County. So when you look at the numbers, it's very, very small in comparison, yet we're still, you know, in this lockdown mode. Um, so no, it's the science. I don't know. They, they like to say, we're going to follow the science. And I guess yes. they figure if they say that enough times, then people will believe that they are being scientific in their decision making, yeah. but they're it's not. It's just a mantra. It is, right. It's a it's religion. Like this yeah. Schizophrenic kind of strategy that they've taken on as far as what can be open and what can't be open. I mean, I, you know, you can go to the grocery store and Target and Home Depot and everywhere else, and that's fine. But you can't go to uh, Kohl's or you can't go inside the mall. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And you can't go to funerals and you can't go to church right. and you can't go to school. I mean, it is an unbelievable aggression on rights and and liberty, I just, it's so unbelievably frustrating. I mean, I've worked in, uh, in Hollywood nightlife for many years and there's no indication that, that bars will be open soon. The idea that we don't have indoor dining still seems completely crazy. And I just have this feeling that we're gonna, you know, pass November 3rd and all of a sudden, or maybe it's gonna be January 20th, but it's coming. And then one day everything will be better and everybody's going to just say, oh, well, we don't have to wear masks anymore because COVID is over. Like they're just going to choose a day. There's no way out of this problem without admitting that they've been lying the whole time. And they won't. You know, they won't. They'll just they'll say the science dictates that. I mean, that they will absolutely find a way out of it. I just I don't know when Californians that are going to say, you know what, we've had enough. And, and that's difficult to do because if you're a business owner, for you to say, I've had enough and opening my business comes at great personal cost because yes. the state is going to swoop down on you like nothing you've ever seen. And you know, a lot of people, obviously, they don't want to do that. So they're really mm-hmm. stuck between a rock. 
Um, but I get the emails from from Democrats, too. It's not just Republicans. And sure. they are good and ticked off and they don't understand why they can't open and why they're still in lockdown mode. Not to mention the fact that this is having a great psychological impact on people oh that, of God. course, they don't want to talk about. I mean, kids, I've got three kids in high school. And let me tell you, they are done with this distance learning thing. They're, you know, they're not happy with the education they're receiving. We had my son 15 minutes into class. He comes downstairs and I say, what, what are you doing? Aren't you in class? So we had a sub, he came on, gave an assignment and he logged off. I mean, that's Come a typical on. day. Yeah. Wow. 15 minutes, typical day. So these kids aren't getting the education that they deserve, but you know, I guess it doesn't matter because, uh, for political purposes, it's better to keep this charade going. And we all know that the way to fix education is just to constantly keep throwing more money at it, even though California right. talks about this all the time and has, what, 37, 39th best education out of 50 states. I mean, th- I don't even think people understand how bad things are in California because we always talk about how we're, the, uh, you know, the laboratory for the country. We're the experiment. We're pushing the country ahead. We're a model. Like we're we're a model for a third world country right now. Yeah, well, especially with our electricity problems, I would say oh my God. that is spot on. You know, I mean, I joked, but it's true. I've been to third world countries when I was in the Navy that have had better um, electrical grids than we do in California. I mean, this is this is ridiculous. But you know, for the schools, um, when so California has this neat little trick of lowering the bar, so. They're changing, you know, they want to get rid of the exit exam. They want to get, they wanted to get rid of the exams to just get into college. Now they wanted, they got rid of it or they were stopped, but they wanted to add a diversity test for entrance into college. So if you were a minority student, you got extra points than say the average white kid for getting in. So when you keep lowering the standards to get in, because you want to get more people in college, because that shows how great we're doing in education, we've got you know, 75% of our high school graduates go to college. They don't mm. talk about the fact that they're not graduating. So, they just want to talk about the fact that they're getting in. And didn't they strike the anti-discrimination language from the California state constitution? Um, are you talking about um, the uh, affirmative action type? Yeah. Of, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the, well, the voters did that. The voters did that with um, ballot proposition and now they're putting it back on the ballot because they want affirmative action to be used again for entrance into universities. Well, it's, yeah, it sounds like what you just described would be illegal otherwise. Well, discrimination is illegal last time sure. I checked, but yeah. they, you know, the voters already said no. I'm hoping that this ballot proposition goes down in flames too because getting into college should be based on your merit, based on your not based on the color of your skin. Of course. That's just that doesn't dictate success or failure, frankly. Um, a lot of other things do, but it's certainly not the color of your skin. Let me ask you one more thing and I'll let you go. Cause I know you're busy. Um, so I, you know, my concern obviously is I want California fixed and people are mad about Donald Trump for talking about these voting systems. You know, I think he shed a lot of light on something that is a real concern because if we can't trust that California's 5 million extra ballots aren't being harvested and then influencing you know, local elections, city elections, state elections, ballot propositions. We can't trust any of it. And there's also no solution. And they know that, which is what makes it so much worse. I mean, this is like a North Korea with nice weather and and nice things. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's pretty insidious, the plan that they've put together. And they've done it over time, and yep. it's been gradual. Um, and again, there's nobody to keep them in check. So the only people that can keep them in check are the voters who are sending them to Sacramento. But, you know, look at what happens. Every time they send the same people there, they send people from the same party there. And I just have to ask them, like, is your life better now? Is California better? Is it cheaper? Do you have more reliable electricity? Is your water cheaper? Are your groceries cheaper? Is your car cheaper? Is any of that getting better or is it getting worse? Because, you know, if it's getting worse and you're thinking about moving, which a lot of Californians are, then why do you continue to do the same thing? I mean, if you're going to base your vote on the social issues, you're doing it wrong because most people really, they care about social issues, but what they care about most is their wallet. And that's Mm -hmm. what's being affected. Well, at least we have the tech companies and rich celebrities to tell us our moral values (laughs) instead of us figuring them out on our own. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, listen, (laughs) thank you so much for doing this. Um, Hopefully we can do it again. When we recall Gavin Newsom, I hope you'll throw your name in the ring. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. Well, I've enjoyed it and I will come back anytime. I'm happy to talk about all these issues because there's a lot to talk about. So you keep awesome. me on your and list, where okay? Can, where can people find you? So I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. If you search under Senator Melendez on Twitter, you can find me there. Facebook is very easy to just search on me there. Instagram. Um, I think it's C.A. Sen Melendez. So yeah, I got a lot of social media accounts rolling. <laughs> They're hard to keep. <laughs> up, but, I know but I how you best. feel. <laughs> I do my best. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm sorry about our little technical delays at the beginning. No problem. No problem. This Thanks has been so great. Much, Chris. I'll talk Take to you care. soon. Okay. Bye-bye. bye-bye. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm Your Moderator. If you have feedback, you can email heymoderator at I'mYourModerator.com or use the hashtag HeyModerator on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show, search Be Reasonable on Patreon, where I'll have additional daily ish segments in a special podcast feed of the show, as well as my writing and audio readings of those articles. You can also go to anchor.fm slash be reasonable and become a supporter there. Thank you so much for listening until next time. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul, be reasonable. as moderator for tonight's broadcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!